0: You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Uh, today, our guest is Kelly Campbell, and Kelly is an agency growth consultant here in New York City. She is also a podcast host. She's the host of Thrive, which is a biweekly video podcast sponsored by Workamajig, which helps agency owners navigate their growth. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks for having me, Bruce. I'm excited to be here.
1: And so, I, you know, this is an interesting one because I think that, you know, agencies is uh, are a really interesting sort of segment of services, of professional services. Uh, and so it's it's great to speak to someone who has really worked, and, and we'll get into your background a little bit, but has owned an agency but and grown an agency, but has worked with a lot of agencies around this growth process and kind of seeing what are the, the sort of typical pitfalls, the particular challenges that they have. Why don't we start actually with, with background? So give us a sense of, Professionally, like where did you start? Uh, you know, I know you you were in an agency. You, you founded an agency. You grew an agency. Tell us about that, and then tell us about what you do today.
0: Sure, sure. So um, when I was twenty three, I decided that I did not want to work in corporate America. Um, <laughs> we were oil and water, and so I just started building up a small client base. My background is in design, so I went from graphic design to website design and, and UX. And just started growing a small agency. Uh, originally, it was me and then a team of developers that were offshore. There were some challenges with that. Yeah. So I brought everything onshore. I partnered up with a team in Rhode Island. And over the course of about 14 and a half years, we got to the point where I had scaled it. I had uh, 15 full time employees. Mm-hmm. And it was a journey. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, we yeah. really focused on nonprofits and foundations,
1: oh, okay, and a good. lot
0: of uh, corporate social responsibility initiatives. So yeah. we were working with the American Lung Association and Mercedes Benz and Sunny D for their Book spree program. I mean, everything that touched any type of social good initiative, yeah. we were you know sort of the the agency for that. Yeah. Now there are tons of agencies that do that, but you know over the last fourteen years, we were we were one of the few that were known especially in the uh, web development and digital marketing world
1: yeah and I'm curious like when you decided to kind of strike out on your own did you you know put together the business plan and, and to say right up front like this these are the people we're going to serve we're going to focus on this segment nope. or how did you so how so tell the story of how you kind of <laughs> fell into this 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 kind of particular slice of the market and, and why that worked out for you or why you ended up kind of choosing to focus on that
0: Yeah so I think it was really just uh, attracting clients that were like-minded mm. uh, I did everything that you should never do I didn't put a business plan. <laughs> together. Um, you know, I didn't have everything laid out. I didn't know yeah. what our focus was. I never had a mission or vision statement or values
2: yeah. put
0: together until I would say probably seven or eight years yeah. into the agency. So halfway through, it was like, I, I always say that I was like groping my way along. Yeah. And then I figured out, you know, after making the same mistake once or twice, you don't want to make it the third time. So I started putting systems and processes in place, um, yeah. really honing in on the team. I had one of the most incredible teams you could ever ask for. Yeah. And what they say about millennials is not true because they were <laughs> some of the hardest working, most dedicated employees I had. And yeah. the the thing that I learned probably like I said 7 or 8 years in was really looking to the team to understand what their the what the crossroads were of their passions hmm. and our expertise yeah. and, you know, obviously market opportunity.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's where I we really started honing in on this idea of you know, being that agency that, Serviced the the social good enterprises and the nonprofits and the foundations and just you know contributing to the equity of the world that felt really authentic to us. Yeah. So the story sort of wrote itself, but yeah. that's where we focused and and that's where we started bringing in a lot of great clients.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I appreciate the vulnerability on that. I think a lot of uh, I, you know I I was uh, running a, a agency a consulting company for a long time, and and you can you can actually kind of rope along for many years and kind of get. By uh, and I'm sure many listeners of the podcast kind of uh, either have been in that situation or are currently in that situation, um, and and it's really not that you know you're not successful. It's just you're it's difficult and growth is painful. Yeah. Uh, when when you're kind of going along at that stage, and so you know, sometimes yeah, it's very
0: it's, hands to mouth at that point. You yeah,
1: know? yeah, yeah, and it, but you can get by, and that's kind of the challenge. Is a lot of people do, and I think the a lot of what we talk about here is kind of really leveling up and getting up the next that next stage of kind of business thinking and business growth, working on the business, not just in the business. So it's great to talk to somebody who's been through that themselves, because I think a lot of there's a lot of consultants and a lot of people out there who can advise but haven't been through that, don't know exactly what it's like. I so. agree. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that uh, that that was your personal experience in in growing the agency. So, tell us a little bit about the transition from owning, running the agency to helping other agencies, hopefully get through that process faster or make those decisions sooner.
0: Yeah. So, I ended up selling my digital agency in 2016, mm-hmm. and I had a, a two year non compete. So, I thought, all right, well, let me a little bit Uh, of time and do some soul searching and figure out what I want to do next. Um, I didn't want to jump right in even two years later to running, starting up another agency. I wanted something different. And so I wanted to see what made the most sense in terms of value and impact. I had a lot of experience even as a young person. And I thought initially the, the goal was maybe I should split my time and focus on nonprofits and help them with you know, uh, increasing their donations through digital marketing, helping them increase internal efficiencies. And there's so many out there that are struggling. So that's kind of where I went for 50% of the time. And then the other 50%, I thought, well, if I could help other creative agencies, tech media agencies, that type of thing to scale up and to transform, that would be good. And it became really clear really quickly that it was going to lean very heavily to the creative agencies. So I would say at this point, it's probably between 90 to 95% creative agencies yeah. that I work with and then the other 5 or 10% would be directly with the nonprofits and and even more specifically nonprofits that have some type of climate change or climate research oh, interesting. component yeah. to them just because that's my personal passion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and amazing focus, you know, <laughs> when we're telling people like, do you want it the faster you want to scale, the more you need to focus. So I think that's yep. a, that's a great niche. Actually, let's sort of talk about or define what do we mean by agency? Because there's a lot of, I think terms and stuff out there are a lot of different ways to kind of define it. How do you define agency or, or what do you mean when you refer to an agency?
0: So when I'm talking about creative agencies, it's a pretty broad umbrella. It's anyone that's in marketing, advertising, and that could span branding, experiential, uh, PR, you know, anything under that larger umbrella where you're serving clients from the marketing and advertising perspective. Or you could get even more niche down and talk about human centered design or videography. I mean, you could get pretty narrow, but as the blanket umbrella, I define creative agencies, you know, as that. And for me, in terms of the criteria, they have to be somewhere between the 10 to 100 employees, and they have to be somewhat established. So my strength is in working with established agencies, because they have a different set of challenges than startups. Yeah. And while I could serve them, there are other consultants that do a great job. And I want to kind of stay in my lane.
1: Got it. So, so not by startup meaning they they've got clients, they've got some track record, they've probably been in business for a little while.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've worked with agencies that been, have been in business from anywhere between five and fifty-five years.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they they have they have history that they're working with. This isn't yes. ideas. This is real kind of things that they've been doing.
0: Okay. They're in a position where they need to pivot or reimagine yeah. how they're going to market, or maybe they've never actually gone through and understood who they're their actual buyer personas are, you know, Mm. things like that.
1: Yeah. And so, and we're going to get into a little bit to kind of the strategies or the things that you particularly focus on, but what in terms of mindset or the, the challenges from the business owner's point of view or the leadership inside the agency, what are the things that they are dealing with? We talked a little bit about the groping along kind of issue What else are they kind of feeling or thinking in their business at at the time that you start talking to them?
0: Yeah. So I would say that I kind of talk about these challenges in terms of like four different pillars, the four P's. So for me, it's going to be people. There's Mm -hmm. always challenges with, you're working with humans, right? So there's communication issues, there are emotions, there's baggage that you bring to the table. There's all different generations that you're working with inside of the agency. So people is one for sure. Positioning is always going to be my number one issue, even though agencies may not realize that they have a positioning issue. Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, anything that is coming up in the agency can be attributed back to a holistic positioning issue. And then you have a pipeline a lot of them struggle with business development. Yeah. I don't think that that's specific to creative agencies. I think that's kind of across the board Yeah, and then profitability. So at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. you know, all of those things trickle down into profit margin.
1: Yeah. Do I have, do I have cash in the bank after, yeah. after all this?
0: Yeah. I mean, we were talking before about, you know, sort of hand to mouth. A lot of these agencies yeah. are, You know, either breaking even or they're straddling like the five percent profit margin line, and you just don't want to be there. It's a terrible place to be.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you how many how many companies I've talked to, not just agencies, but companies I talked to, where I ask the owner, like, okay, so how much have you paid yourself over the last, you know, three months or last six months? (laughs) You know, and they look at me like, oh, I'm supposed to pay myself. It can be a tough slog when you're putting in a lot of time and energy, and you're just not feeling the financial. I'm not even talking about windfalls. I'm just talking about feeling of certain amount of financial security and financial stability in the business.
0: Right. And that's a good example. I'm um, talking about not an owner not paying itself. That's a good example of more of a startup problem. Yeah. The agencies that I'm working with aren't dealing with that type of problem, yep. but obviously the other things that we were just talking about.
1: Yeah. Excellent. So, so you're working with folks that are in these kind of positions. What are the kind of, I guess, goals, objectives, outcomes, things that the folks that you work with, what are they trying to achieve? I mean, are they are they looking to get acquired? Are they looking to uh, become a hundred million dollars? Like, what are the what are the outcomes that you're typically working with?
0: Yeah, so there's probably three or four or five different outcomes right mm-hmm. off the bat. I can say that they want more ideal clients. So okay. again, back to that profitability issue, they're probably working with too many clients. They're not the right clients for whatever reason. So they want to develop a a predictable pipeline that's filled with more qualified leads and, you know, more ideal clients. They want to understand how to expand business into existing clients. So like the land and expand philosophy uh, for developing new business, which, you know, obviously has the lowest cost per acquisition rate. You've already built up trust with those clients, so Mm -hmm. it's easy to expand. But there's a way, there's a nuance to go about doing that. They don't have a, a formal business development strategy in place. So they want that, whether they have in house business development people or they're relying on, you know, some other things. Some of the agencies I work with rely primarily and predominantly on referrals, which is super not scalable.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, not that referrals are bad, but typically referrals are only going to be equal or lesser than the client that referred you. Yeah. They can replace themselves at best. Yeah. 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 So we don't want more more bad clients. We want
1: more (laughs) good clients.
0: (laughs) So those are typically the issues. And then once in a while, you'll come across like some really severe communication issues or yeah. it, really a lot of those issues are more related to the fact that there's no structure in the business, okay. you know, so you don't have different teams and you don't have um, alignment on roles and responsibilities. Maybe there's no leadership team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of different, I mean, agencies are so interesting. Yeah. That's what I find fascinating about what I do because there's so many layers and so much nuance and there's so many moving parts to what they actually produce. Yeah. So it's just it's rife with so many different variables. But yeah. across the board, I would say those are like the three or four.
1: Yeah, those are good. So yeah. so let's talk about the the four Ps. Let's kind of talk sort of take each one in turn and we can um, understand it better and then understand like how, how do you kind of approach it or what are the things that you look at with the client. So give us our first P again. People. People. So let's talk about. It. So when you say people what are are you looking internally are you looking externally what's the what's the scope of people
0: yeah so so people is internally and i always start my process is to whether the agency has 10 or 100 employees or somewhere in the middle uh, my process is to sit down with each and every employee from the ceo down to the summer intern spend about 30 to 45 minutes with them asking them a appointed set of questions mm-hmm. and the amount of information and the depth of information yeah. and even some potential solutions come out of those conversations and they just set the course for what I can distill down and make recommendations from. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some people that feel more comfortable talking to a quote unquote stranger, like a yeah. new consultant, yeah. than talking to their head of HR. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And I sort of stumbled upon that process in a way. Yeah. Um, I tried it out with the very first agency that I worked with. And once I realized the depth of information that I was getting and how that helped me to really Improve the communications among the team. Yeah, that I was like, oh wow, this is gold. Like yeah. I'm never ever doing an, an engagement where there's a pushback on this part of the process. Like if it and the, when I say pushback, um, I do all of those sessions, those mm-hmm. intake sessions, I call them, and the agency owner is not allowed to see the responses.
1: Yeah, they're they're confidential. They're, Completely you, you confidential.
0: So I make that very clear in the beginning. Like if the agency owner wakes up one day and says, you know, I really want that Excel spreadsheet. Give me the notes. Yeah. It's
1: not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Trust. Um, It's all about the trust.
0: It's all about the trust. Yeah. Yeah. So starting with the people, that's kind of where we lead into positioning because some of those questions are talking about You know, what types of accounts do you love to work on and what types of accounts do you not love to work on? What would be, you know, your pie in the sky client? Mm -hmm. Are there other things in the agency where you have an interest but you're just not being asked to, you know, maybe participate. Mm. So if you're on, let's say, an account side, but you have a little bit of understanding of creative, maybe you kind of want to do some cross training or something. Having those conversations and bringing that up to leadership is really important because then you can put the right people in the right positions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's really just kind of figuring out what do we have we deployed our people, you know, Based on how they want to work, and based on what the agency needs, and are we optimize yeah. that? Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. I mean, I think it happens in most businesses where you can get you know great people, but if they're not sitting in the right seat, it's not going to help them. The business. So, yeah. um, so that was positioning. That's our second P. Yep.
0: Yeah. Anything so, else about positioning? So. Again, that'll be like the cross-section of the team's core expertise, their passions, what do they love doing, and then market opportunity. So if you love doing something (laughs) and you're passionate about it, that's great. But if you can't make any money at it, then, you know, so it has to really be at the cross-section of those three things. And I would say that to your point before, the more refined and clear and accurate that positioning is, the stronger that positioning is, it makes it harder for prospects to find an alternative to you, which then kind of leads into the the pipeline.
1: And let's talk, because I think that that is like a key concept in, in most of these kind of situations, which is, and it's, I don't know if it's, um, uh, people don't kind of think about it the right way or if, if it's counterintuitive, but the more, the more you want to make business easier, the more you want to make sales easier, the more you need to focus. And the way I always kind of thought about it is that, that, you want to make it really easy for people to understand what you do and yeah. if you do everything for everybody like i don't know i don't know how to choose you i don't know how to refer you i don't know how to understand if you solve this problem right. whereas if you're if you're looking at you know nonprofits that deal with environmental issues it's like oh you know i know three people you should meet right it becomes very right. easy to match you and connect and then yep. for those nonprofits it's very easy so like well who do i choose out of the 15 consultants i can have well, obviously I'm going to choose the one that clearly works with the the companies that are just like me.
0: Right. And, and I think what this all comes down to and why agencies are pretty bad at this and agency owners in particular are so scared of it is they don't want to leave money on the table. I've heard this over and over and over again. If we only focus on industrial B2B marketing, what if, A healthcare company comes to us and wants us to do marketing. Should we say no? You know, it's like... And how do you answer that? So
1: how do you you coach them through that?
0: It depends is really the answer. If there's a way that we can actually make that, put that into a bucket that makes sense for their processes and their systems, and we actually have other case studies, we've Mm -hmm. done this before... Okay. Yes. I'm not saying turn away everyone who's not right directly in your, in your purview, Yeah, but if it's outside of the scope, if it's outside of the core expertise and you're just doing it to bring on another filler project, you have to just draw that line in the sand and say, that's not what we do now. It's, it doesn't mean to say to the prospect, like we can't help you see you later you, you know, do your discovery call the way that you would with anyone else and say, you know what, we actually focus in this area, but we have a great partner and that's where strategic partnerships come in. We have a great partner that does exactly what you're looking for. And I'd love to make that referral. So now you've left a really good taste in the prospect's mouth. You just developed a piece of business that could be potential pure income, pure Mm -hmm. profit for your agency. I mean, to me, it's a no brainer, you know, but I, as an agency owner, if I look back, you know, 10, 15 <laughs> years, I I understand it. You know, uh, I get you don't want to leave money out there, but to your point, it makes life so much easier, and yeah. your profit margins will be better if you actually stand behind your positioning.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's going to lead into your your next P here, and I think it's the one thing that I have found will always make it easier for them to say no is to have a lot more business <laughs> lined up that as a yes business because it is hard. Like when you've got payroll to meet, when you're, you know, when you're when you're thinking about the money so hand-to-mouth, yeah. saying no is really tough. Whereas yeah. if you have a lot of opportunities, you've got a strong, solid pipeline where you know you can say no because you've got other ones that are much better fit, right. then it becomes easier. So so let's talk about pipeline because I think that's a really key part yeah. of this position. I
0: just want to sort of yeah. put a little period on that, though, because um, I am – interviewing David C. Baker on Monday on my podcast. And he yeah. talks about this. He talks about positioning. I mean, that's kind of his core.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, he talks about positioning in terms of an agency owner being brave. And that's where this bravery comes in. Yeah. It's like, I know I have to meet payroll. I know I have to dip into my credit line. But this is literally outside of what we said we were.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it doesn't fit. So that it is brave. It's brave. And I like that word
1: for it. Yeah.
0: It's uh, courageous maybe is, is the like other it. word that he uses for it.
1: Yeah. I like it. So yes, be brave, be courageous, and let's develop a good pipeline. <laughs> so, yes. So let's talk yes. about pipeline. What what goes into that? How do you model that?
0: So the pipeline um, for me is always going to come down to after you do the positioning work, you start developing your buyer personas or customer personas, or client personas, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call them. Um, looking at your most ideal clients, what are their traits? What are their characteristics? Okay. What's important to them? What do they value, right? Are there any trends that we can notice that makes them really ideal other than they pay their bills on (laughs) time?
1: Which is an (laughs) Um, important one.
0: (laughs) It is, it is, but that's one of the ones. And and so I would say developing these, these agency branded, um, buyer persona sheets where it's Mm -hmm. literally a one sheeter, it's got your logo on it and Mm -hmm. you can literally go through the whole thing about, um, giving this person a name, right? So it's, um. Jane Doe, or actually a better name than that, um, pulling an image off of Google just to like give Jane a face yeah. so we can talk about Jane like she's a real person. Yeah. Because Jane is a real person out there. You just haven't met her yet, right? Yeah. So you have gender, age, her title at her company, Um, what's her, her mindset? What are her pain points? What is she in her role right now Mm. at her company? What is she dealing with? What's the most important thing to her? And what are some common questions that she might have? So when you have all of this together in one sheet, I say develop a ton of them, like as many different nuances or variations as there are, maybe one for each type of title, Mm -hmm. maybe one per title per gender. What's different to women is different to men, right? Yeah, And then I would say, go a step further and don't just keep them, you know, slated to the people who are in business development, share them across the whole agency. Yeah. So put them up physically, digitally, share them however you want to do that. But when the whole team is starting to talk about it, talk in the same way, talk in the same direction talk with the same language and thinking about it from the prospects perspective and really hitting home on the pain points. Yeah. You start thinking about things in terms of benefits versus features. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that you yeah. do website design and development and digital marketing. Those yeah. are features, right? What they're buying are more leads, more sales and and bottom line revenue. Yeah. So that's what I would say in terms of starting that in terms of creating like a really predictable pipeline of good quality leads. I would yeah. start there and then go into prospecting based on those buyer personas.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've got a uh, kind of another question around this and I get this all the time, which is what tool do do you use? <laughs> Everyone's asking me about CRM and like what what tools do you like at this point? Are you thinking about tools
0: with the agencies? Yeah. So a lot of the agencies that I work with will already have a tool okay. in place. A lot of them use, and I'm not saying this because they sponsor my podcast, <laughs> but a lot of them do use Workamajig okay. because it is designed for agencies. Talk about positioning. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's a it's a completely all-in-one solution for yep. creative agency management. So a lot of them do use that. I personally use that, but I also uh, in my consulting practice use Insightly, which is a really yep. sort of bare-boned CRM. So yeah, know, but how are, do
1: you, like when you look at the tech, when you look at sort of the tools that you're using, how, how do you reflect or represent your personas in the tools? Like what, what do I use or how do I think about my tools as being kind of persona based?
0: So I wouldn't look at it so much like that. I would think okay. about it more from the perspective of categorizing or tagging yeah. the actual contacts or the leads inside of the CRM with uh-huh. some of the things that are in the, the buyer persona sheets because then you can start to notice trends. Got it. Um, the other thing I would say is when you're writing the actual, let's say you're in your CRM, you're able to do automated email scripts. Yeah. I would think about that from the standpoint of writing those scripts and really doing a lot of A-B testing to see what language is resonating based on pain points and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that whole idea of your your kind of pipeline, your, your funnel is a data set, you know, and you can learn from your data set and learn... Yes. You know, how it's responding to certain messaging, how quickly it's moving through the process, you know, how responsive you are to various parts of it. And that, you know, that, that pipeline is a living, breathing kind of organism uh, yeah. that you have you have to feed and, and keep healthy and happy. So, For yeah. sure.
0: The other thing that I see most commonly with agencies, and again, you could say this across probably every service business, websites. So like the messaging on the websites, taking the information that you understand and that you have gone through the process of developing for these buyer persona sheets, carrying that through the entire website. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, too often agencies will just want to be like the cool kid in school and just have like the slickest website (laughs) and, you know, with barely any text on it, which is terrible for SEO. Yeah huge pictures and videos, which is really terrible for performance, it's like they don't care about that or they don't know any better or whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's not about how cool you think you are and you can show (laughs) your friends your website. You're trying to develop business, right? So, you know, really talking about those pain points. I'm not saying you have to have crappy copy. I'm just saying that you can be creative and also hit home on the pain points because at the end of the day, these prospects need to see themselves inside of your offerings. They need to understand that you get them yeah. and that you've solved their problems for other people, yeah. you know, just like them.
1: Yeah, no, good point. So. so what's next? So we've got our people, positioning, pipeline. What's our fourth P here?
0: So profitability yeah. is the last one. And I will say that profitability is the thing that every agency owner that I've talked to <laughs> wants to start with. And <laughs> I tell them no. <laughs> I, I say no, because it's a health metric. It's not a goal. Got it. Right.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a your, trailing indicator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So your profit margin and and I want to kind of spend a little bit of time on this because yeah. I think it's kind of important and a little bit of a, a different thought than most people have. Your profit margin is actually an indication of how well positioned your agency or your yeah. company is. Now, of course, you can get more efficient. You can be more productive. You can use different tools and that's all great. But there's there's a limit to that stuff. Right. That's kind of like when you're scaling down and you're trying to run leaner, you could get to the point where you run so lean that it impacts the quality of the work. You don't want to do that because that's not sustainable. That's mm. not scalable.
2: Yeah.
0: But you know, it, it really is a health metric. And yeah. and the way that I talk about it is kind of like when you go to the doctor for a checkup, right? Mm-hmm. The doctor says you've got a cholesterol issue, you've got to exercise more, you've got to eat better food, you know, blah, 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 you're not going to check your cholesterol every single day, or even every single week, because it's not going to move enough. Mm-hmm. It's all these other small, nuanced, discipline changes that you're making that are ultimately going to lead to yeah. a higher profit margin, you know, check it after six months, check it after a year. I just, I think that it it gets too much focus. And I mm. think positioning should actually get much more of the spotlight than profitability.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, and I, it's that kind of leading versus lagging indicator. You know, we can't, uh, we can't drive through the rear mirror, right? That's, that's, that's where we've exactly. been. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, we need to look at dashboard and decide what, like which way are we going to go on this road?
0: exactly yeah. so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing and, and I leave it as the fourth pillar on purpose
1: yeah yeah, no, yeah. That, that makes sense I like the framework I like the model I think that um, you know that anything that can help uh, agency owners kind of organize their thinking and organize their approach to successfully growing and scaling the business uh, is gonna help them because I think a lot of people um, you know, just don't, don't have a system, don't have yeah. a way of kind of organizing, you know, really where are my challenges? Where do I need to focus? And what do I really do now? But the saying I love is I can do anything I want, just not everything I want. So you right. got to choose. You got to right. choose.
0: Right. And just to go back for a second to yeah. the the website, because I, I think that's pretty important. I mean, organic SEO, people say that it's dead, but you and I do Google searches every single day. Yeah many of them every single day. And so does everyone else. So it's not going anywhere, whether we type it in, or we voice search, it, it doesn't matter. SEO is not really going anywhere.
2: Yeah.
0: So that means that the messaging on the website or or any type of digital content is really, really important. Um, and I think the, the better position that that content is, and the clearer it is, as to what your unique value proposition is, it actually helps to qualify prospects just as much as it helps to disqualify non-ideal prospects. So I was on, um, I have a live chat on my website, just a quick example. I was on the other day and, um, this agency owner started chatting me. He Mm -hmm. was from Long Island and he said, Oh, I noticed, you know, you're, you're in the vicinity of where I am. I know that I can't afford you, uh-huh. but I'm having some challenges in my agency. And I said, all right, well, let's chat. So we didn't pick up the phone, but we just chatted on on yeah. the, the live chat for a little bit. And I said, by the way, why do you think that you can't afford me? Yeah. And he said, well, I read all the copy on your website and I know that you don't work with agencies that are as small as mine. I said, okay, yeah. good on you. Yeah. I'm happy to help you, you know, like, yeah. let me hear what the challenge is. So we spent, you know, maybe 10 minutes on the live chat, I ended up pairing him with one of my partners in yeah. California that works with virtual teams, mm-hmm. and they're off to the races, and and he's getting the help that he needed. So I use that as an example of yes, you can still provide value, even if it's not a great fit. So he had a great experience. My partner's happy because she got new business. Yeah. But that's really how the website should work. It should be very clear as to who's a right fit for you and who's not.
1: Yeah. 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 Good. So um, my kind of last question, if I'm an agency owner, I'm listening to this, I'm kind of thinking about my business. What would be the one question you would kind of give them to think about in terms of helping them kind of create some focus or maybe shift some of their mindset about where they're going or where they want to go?
0: I would probably ask just straight up what their unique value proposition is. Yeah. If they can't answer that, they need to do a little bit of work.
1: Kind of step one, get, get yeah. clear on that, everything step else. One, will kind of Get
0: clear on like what you're great at, yeah. what you offer that your competitors don't and what's going to get you that premium pricing, yeah. you know, where you become sort of irreplaceable or um, like it's it. hard for other people to find alternatives because you are so specific and so drilled down and, and such an expert at what you do people are looking for guidance. They're looking for expertise and they're willing to pay a lot of money for it. So the more honed in you are about that, I think um, that would be where I would start.
1: Great, Uh, great, Uh, great. sage advice. Um, (laughs) So uh, we're about out of time here. So Kelly, if people want to learn more about you, about your business, about the work that you do with agencies, what's the best way to get a hold of you and get more information?
0: Sure, so uh, my website is just klcampbell.com and uh, email is kelly at klcampbell.com.
1: Great. I'll make sure both of those are in the show notes here. Thanks. Kelly, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thanks, Bruce. This has been really fun. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter.